0: Straight Smart Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the new innovative concept of real estate investing. No more expensive courses. No more high-priced mentors taking your money and leaving you without ongoing support. Become a full-time seasoned real estate investor by participating with our already successful team members. Now is the time to stop talking about real estate investing and start doing. Take action. Just ask and we will help you. We promise one thing. No BS. For more info, www.streetsmartrei.com.
1: Okay, today is October which October is today? Twentieth? Yes, twentieth. Uh, hello everybody, my name is Jarek Boholtz and uh, I'm the guy who is trying to run the show for Canada Real Estate Investors Club and I guess we are doing a decent job. Hold a second. And today we have a, a guest speaker, Mr. Mike Ponty who had a presentation a VIP webinar on Tuesday and we rocked big time right did we that's right absolutely <laughs> so what kind of questions did you enjoy those questions or yeah you...
2: actually they were quite good they uh, they challenged even a little bit of myself and stuff but uh, like I said it's it's always great to talk to other investors that are uh, that are wanting to be successful and, and sharing stories so you know highly recommend uh, p- other people to come out and attend uh, the VIP section for sure so it was good
1: Good. Thank you very much, and uh, I truly believe it by building such kind of network where we are educating investors and we are showing the proper ways of making uh, right decisions in real estate investing. They will make less mistakes than some of us have done it before, right? So that's definitely the goal, right? So today, too, is Thursday, which is a 100% free educational webinar, provided by our mentors, people which have done deals, they've been working on a regular basis, and they are very, very successful Canada-wide investors. So, you're learning and you are getting information from the best in the best, of the best, by the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Mike would you mind just telling what we are going to talk about and some short overview about yourself and then we go to the presentation, right?
2: Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll I'll maybe talk a little about myself here in a few seconds just as an introduction, but um, part of something that I, I feel is really extremely dear to my heart and uh... is something that is really underutilized is the, the process of due diligence and it is part of trying to find the perfect real estate investment property and finding the most perfect investment area um, so what i'm going to be highlighting today is something that really can work anywhere around the world so for people that are wanting to get started in investing in real estate and they've read the books they have take the training programs they've done all of this the next question that they always seem to ask themselves is where do i park my money where do i start to invest um, so what i'm going to be kind of sharing today is things that you can do to protect yourself some of the research and some of the things that are really extremely important which is called due diligence and you'll hear this quite regularly with real estate but a lot of people just don't understand really what it is so I'm hoping to uh, share a lot of my experience some of the things that our company does in regards to doing our due diligence and I'm hoping that you guys would take advantage in, and wanting to do this on your own when you go and buy your first or even hundredth property and again this literally does work anywhere around the world so
1: I guess we're going to let you talk about that, all right? Sounds so, good. <laughs> just, just overview. If you have any questions, please raise your hand or type in the question in the question or chat, <laughs> and uh, we will find the place uh, and time for you to, to have those questions answered.
2: Simple. Please go ahead. Yep. Okay, great. Well, I've kind of introduced a little bit about the topic itself, and, and um, again, to reiterate about what uh, Jarek was saying is, you know, I really like to keep this as open as I possibly can. I know over a webinar it can be a little bit difficult, but if you've got questions throughout the presentation, please don't hesitate to interrupt and 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 share it because I would imagine a lot of other people may be asking the same type of questions as well. So right off the bat, um, what I'd like to do is just kind of give you a little bit of an introduction about our company and what we do. And let me just get this here. Excuse me. Having a little bit of te- technical difficulty here. Ooh. There we go. Okay, so a little bit about us and who I am. Obviously, my name is Mike Ponte. Um, I started investing in real estate uh, roughly around uh, 2003. I'm located in Langley, British Columbia. Uh, we've actually had some nice weather. It doesn't always rain here, but it's been quite nice. Uh, but, you know, started investing in real estate roughly around 2003 and and probably not much different than a lot of other investors out there. Uh, you know, it just started with the basic uh townhouse just going to get myself started uh didn't really have any idea of what I was doing when I first bought my first property uh probably like most people you did a lot of reading uh maybe took in a course or two but at the end of the day you're kind of going in a little bit blind and, and I have to admit I was kind of doing the same thing uh, but when I first kind of got started that's where a lot of my education really really began was just going out there Learning the business, and by actually involving myself in a property, that's where a lot of the education truly came into play. Um, after a few years, we started buying several properties, and we were probably owning about eight to ten properties around this time. And uh, we founded a company called Prosperity Real Estate Investments. Some of you, you may have heard of the company; some of you may not have. Uh, we founded the company roughly around 2006. Uh, it, you know, obviously, still well, it was a really small company, but at that time, it made sense to kind of incorporate. And, and really, what we did find at that time was the power real estate was able to provide with the generation of cash flow that was being produced. Uh, we just saw this as a huge opportunity for us to continue growing this business, and even more importantly, seeing some ways to kind of improve our lifestyle. Um, in 2007, shortly about a year after, I actually quit my job and and became a full-time real estate investor in, in 2007, um, and really, it's been absolutely life-changing for me. Um, for me, it's given me the opportunity to do something that I absolutely love, uh, spend a lot more time with my family, and uh, it's just been an absolute joy and a treat. Uh, the company right now, we currently hold and manage over roughly $18 million worth of investment real estate, and it's a kind of a mixed bag of residential and multifamily. Uh, we own a lot of property in Western Canada, specifically in the Alberta marketplace, which we are going to be talking a little bit about today. Um, right now as an average we're kind of buying roughly around two properties per month and that's kind of where our company's focus is. Now I'm not here to kind of go. Or talk about it, or you know, what, or what real estate can do for you, and and really the purpose of why i 'm here to kind of share my knowledge is I want you guys to all become successful if this is a venture that you are wanting to get yourselves involved in as well so anyway that 's a little bit about myself, a little bit about the company, and like I said, it, you know before you kind of listen to what i have to what I have to say about real estate i 'm just kind of really sharing what who we are so the information that I am teaching you is based on information that I have learned over the last several years of doing this Okay. so again to kinda go back to the topic we are going to be highlighting a little bit about excuse me I'm just having a little technical difficulty here we are talking about finding your perfect real estate investment so it is really about due diligence 101 so with the due diligence 101 the one thing I tend to get a lot of questions about And the first question a lot of people that are just getting started investing in real estate uh, ask themselves is where's the next best or where is the best place to invest your money? You know, you've committed, you're you're ready to go, you're anxious, you're excited, but the problem is you just don't necessarily know where to invest. So you start to talk to people and you know they'll tell you all these different places that they're investing in and you really have no idea if it's a great place or not what the place that you believe is is a wonderful area you think it's just an absolute dream another person may think it is an absolute nightmare so what tends to happen for a lot of investors they just really have no idea where to put their money and how to approach it so what tends to happen as well is they just kinda of sit back and do nothing and they get extremely fearful about going down this road so what I'm trying to do today is to kind of share with you not to be fearful to spend some time to do some research when you are considering looking at real estate I encourage you not to just look in your backyard because that's all you know I want all of your investors to take a look at it from more of a global perspective you know I hope a lot of you guys get a chance to do a lot of reading, uh, read some of the local newspapers, read the national papers, read stuff that's happening literally globally. And there's some really interesting stories that tend to come out. Now, what you do is you truly, truly pick one country, one state, one province, and really pay some close attention to it. Now, I want you not to be too afraid to be looking all over the world because the reality is you can manage it from your home or from the area that you're living in by building and working with a special team. But the first thing you need to do is identify where is the best place to invest. So in this process, what you'd like to do is get at a lot of these questions answered. Okay? So I highly recommend you kind of go through this, write some of these things down. I'm going to be pulling up the slide again later on in the presentation. But these are some of the key questions that you need to get answered before you start to invest in any real estate transaction. In this process you know, as we go through through this whole process, I'm going to give you guys some examples. It can take a little bit of time in regards to gathering this information, but the reality is by spending two or three hours of doing some research, it will save you thousands of dollars down the road. So take some time. Look at some of these key indicators that are out there. You know, increase in population in a specific area. Is the province and state gross domestic product growth higher than the national average? So you want to be looking for provinces, states, countries that are having strong economic growth, and be paying some close attention to what areas are are probably a good place to be parking your money. Uh, Our area, what areas have average incomes growing faster than the provincial or state average? Uh, Is the area creating new jobs faster than the provincial or state average? Look for areas, infrastructure uh, that's being built. So for my, uh, my BC colleagues that are out on the call today, you know, the Portman Bridge, which is a giant, giant construction project here, uh, it's going to have a very big ripple effect out in the North Surrey and Coquitlam area. So look for major projects that are in development that are going to change the environment, create some new developments, and maybe appreciate some of your value. So those are things that you want to be paying attention to major transportation improvements, low unemployment rate. Is the property attractive to baby boomers? We've got a, a significant amount of baby boomers on the verge of retiring. It's kind of maybe going out 10, 15, 20 years from now. Are you building a game plan to possibly attract those type of people for part of your investments? Uh, does the area have a low vacancy rate for tenants? Extremely important if you're a buy and hold investor. Pay close attention to this specific statistic because this will have an A significant impact on your cash flow. Uh, Are there more active listings than the five-year average? And really, that's highlighting what type of, how much inventory is in the marketplace? Is this a a seller's market? Is this a balanced market? Is this a buyer's market? Really, understanding some of these things. Last but not least, and this is one of the probably the most important ones, specifically if you're investing out of province, out of country, out of state. Paying some close attention to having a good, strong, solid property manager. And I see this mistake happen over and over and over again. So when you people go out and invest in these small little tiny towns, they perceive them to be great areas, but they don't necessarily have the management team or they don't have a lot of uh, options in regards to property management. And all of a sudden, they get stuck. And they don't have a good property manager, and if you don't have one, that is going to have a huge impact on your business. So these are some key indicators that you want to be spending some good quality time doing some research before you put even $1 on any investment property. So I'm going to kind of share an example with you just to show you how looking at it, understanding the economic situation within a province or a state or a city can really truly change the dynamics of your typical investment. Most investors, what they tend to do. Is they start to analyze properties. So, for example, here's an example. Here's a property in Fernley, Nevada. Okay, the property is roughly around 1,300 square feet on a quarter-acre lot. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath property, and the price for this wonderful thing is $115,000. Now. In B.C., that same property, we're probably looking in the area of 420 to $450,000. So when you're actually comparing specifically this property to your own home, you, it's a fantastic deal. And a lot of people perceive it that exact way. as They say, it's much cheaper than what I can buy it here, so that's a good deal. And that's what a lot of people tend to think. Now, the rent for this property is about $850 per month. So I want you to ask yourself, And really, and and I and I challenge you write it down. Is this or good investment or a bad investment? Okay, so you're getting a price of $115,000. The rent for 850. I would uh, assume and I would hope that the quest the answer back to me would be you probably need some more information, and that would be the right answer. So here's some further information about this property. Say all the expenses right now on this property is. Two hundred and seventy-five dollars a month. So your property taxes, your maintenance, your property management, everything, okay, is coming up to about two hundred and seventy-five dollars a month. Your mortgage payment on this thing is four hundred dollars a month. Okay. So remember, your cash, your, the rent that you're generating was eight seventy-five previous. So you're seeing a cash flow of roughly one hundred and seventy-five dollars a month for a property that was worth one fifteen. So again, ask yourself, who would you guys do this deal? Yes or no? is this a good investment or not so when i hold my seminars i tend to present this the same property over to people just to send the message and i ask the audience and and about 80 to 85% of them would tend to say yes this is a good investment for $115,000 good rent it's showing positive cash flow i would invest in this property and i would probably guess that about 80 to 85% of you would probably have said the same exact thing but this is where mistakes tend to be made people do the analysis of the property and look at the cash flow and look at the purchase price and say this is a good deal because they're comparing that purchase price to what they can get at home it does cash flow so I'm going to be generating an income out of this property but they don't take into consideration some of the economic factors that may also have an impact within this area now if they took a little bit of time and really two to three hours to do some research they would have noticed that in Fernley Nevada the population is roughly 12,801 people. The unemployment rate in Fernley, Nevada, is 16%. Okay, so an extremely high unemployment rate. So the job market is is really really tough, and, and it's quite common in a lot of the states right now. And uh, Fernley, Nevada, is actually one of the one of the most challenged ones, and that's one of the reasons why I chose it. In migration, so what's happening is we're actually seeing the population decline by roughly 4.3%, and really the perception is there are no jobs people aren't actually able to afford their homes and people are moving out to try to find jobs somewhere else so you're seeing a a reduction of population growth and what's happening is more listings are becoming available in the market so right now there's about 872 listings in the marketplace out of those 872, 556 of them are actually foreclosures so right now the foreclosure ratio is roughly 63 percent in the area so a massive foreclosure rate so and if you want to rent your property, you're also seeing a vacancy rate of roughly 14.6%. So I ask yourself again, is this a good investment or a bad investment? And the reality is this is the information that you guys and everybody should be looking at first before they assess and analyze any property, period. And by spending a little bit of time looking at this research, you won't have to waste a lot of time analyzing a bunch of properties in there and making, making a bad decision. And this is kind of the, the premise to my presentation today, is really spending some great quality time looking at what's happening, what are some of the fundamentals in the area, and really understand it like the back of your hand, what's going on in the area of interest. Okay? So some of the key things that you want to be paying close attention when you're looking at it from a national perspective are these key indicators. Okay? You might want to write some of these ones down. Okay, so at national economic factors, you want to be, again, we talked about GDP growth. Look for GDP growth that is in the high, roughly around the 3% range. I'd even accept around 2.8%, but you want to be seeing GDP growth at roughly around 3% plus, and that is a good, strong economy. So at 3%, you're seeing jobs being created. Uh, you're seeing people buying buying uh, cars, buying homes. It's good, strong economy. You're seeing a, a relatively balanced marketplace. Jobs is a major indicator, and it is an extremely pe- uh, strong piece that you want to be paying attention to so, so if you 're seeing things major projects, major announcements that uh, that are coming out, you, you want to be looking for places that are having some new job growth, strong job growth. look for places that have low unemployment rate, you also want to be paying attention that have high unemployment rates, so those are areas that you want to avoid population growth like we mentioned before, average weekly in- uh, average weekly income what type of income is being generated within those cities those provinces that are going to attract people to come and move there look at vacancy rates rental regulations and this is one that a lot of people don't pay attention to is in every province in some cases every city there's some differences of variations for rental regulations so in this country there are cities that have absolutely no minimum uh, no minimum cap on how, how much they can raise their rent and there's a couple provinces that have Strict regulations. One of them being only one percent per year. Okay. Average price. What are some of the average prices out there? Listing versus sales. Understanding what type of market are you in? Are you in a balanced market? Are you a seller's market, a buyer's market? Understanding what type of inventory is in the marketplace and how that is going to impact the purchase price and the sell price of your property. The affordability income, and you probably hear this quite regularly out in newspapers, uh, specifically Globe and Mail talks a lot about this from RBC, and it really is kind of an indicator of how affordable are homes within that specific area. So, for example, right now in Vancouver, to afford a property, the affordability index, 75 cents, 70 to 75 cents out of every dollar. Is actually what it's going to take to buy a property. So that's what you're using towards your down payment, or your, for your mortgage. So it's extremely unaffordable for the average, um, average Canadian. What you want to be seeing for an affordability number is somewhere in that 38 to 40 range, if not less. So keep that as a close indicator. New home construction. If you see some increase or significant increase in new home construction, that tends to be an indicator that people are developing new properties because there's an anticipation of demand occurring. So people are planning on moving there. There's a good strong economy. So developers just don't build so properties can sit. They're building so properties can be sold right away. So if you see a big sp- spike in new home construction, that is quite a, a, a key indicator. So what I'd like to do today is just to kind of share some of the current statistics roughly in the Canadian marketplace. So I know a lot of people are investing in the States, but this is just an example of how you want to be paying close attention to some of these things that we're talking about and how we can really narrow down specific provinces and even cities of where to be paying some close attention to. So right off the bat, we're going to start off with GDP growth. If we looked at the GDP growth on a national scale, we'd be kind of seeing something like this. So this is real GDP growth. This is coming from Statistics Canada and RBC. And as you can see, you want to be looking for something that's in that 3% or higher mark. So really based on what we're seeing for GDP growth right now, some of the best places that we're seeing for economic growth right now is Saskatchewan, Alberta, Newfoundland, and Labrador. And in some cases, we're also seeing Manitoba. Right now, the Canadian GDP growth, we're looking at about 25 2.4% growth. Well some of the provinces in eastern Canada are having some some challenges. Not so not so bad in Ontario, it's still kind of in that that area. PEI is doing okay. BC is is kind of in that lower range, but specifically if you're looking at New Brunswick, Nova Scotia and Quebec, maybe not so much. Now, it's important to not also to understand what the current growth is, but because you're buying real estate more for a longer term growth, you also want to look at what the forecasts are from economists of what provinces are going to do well, not just today, but also tomorrow. So based on some numbers that were provided by RBC, this is what we're expecting for growth in 2012. Now what you're going to be seeing, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, strong growth. And then again, Ontario, you're kind of pushing up. BC is improving versus the last slide. But again, some of the provinces that are having some challenges, Newfoundland, Labrador, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and also PEI. Now this is kind of an key indicator for quite a few of the slides that are coming up. But what it seems to be a common uh, trend is you're seeing a lot of the western provinces doing better. Than what you're seeing in some of the eastern provinces. So as you start to look at the slides, I want you to just to see how these numbers are coming up, and what you're trying to do is you want to narrow down your focus of where you're going to be paying your attention to. Now again, I'm really highlighting the Canadian marketplace, but this can work anywhere around the world. So in this circumstance, you may want to do if you're looking in the U.S. do the same thing. The information is available out there and look at it by 50 states and look at GDP growth within every single state. And then you can tell and you'll be able to pinpoint what states are doing better than others. Okay, so based on the next step, if there's GDP growth, that tends to be a key indicator that there's also strong GDP growth. There's a strong indicator that also unemployment rate should also be low as well. So that is another thing that we want to be paying close attention to. And very similar to the trend that we saw before, you can see the numbers are are pretty much accurate. You're seeing Newfoundland, PEI. These are current uh, unemployment rates based of last month. Thirteen and a half percent in Newfoundland, PEI, eleven point four. And you've seen the numbers. But as again, as we move closer to the western provinces, you can see Manitoba at five point five, Saskatchewan at four point six, Alberta at five point four, and also BC at six point seven. So you're seeing a little bit of a, a shift and almost kind of a line right on Manitoba, uh, right on the Manitoba border. Uh, where you're seeing some of the economies a little bit stronger than some of the other provinces. So this may be a decision for you in regards to where you want to be putting your attention and your focus. So when people start to see these specific numbers, these low unemployment rates, the one thing you also want to be paying, paying attention to is the high ones. So for a high unemployment rate like in Newfoundland, when you're seeing something at 13.5%, well, people have got families to feed, they need to work, they've got bills to pay, they need to find a job. So what you'll see is you'll see people start to move because they need to be able to afford to eat. So before they move, they also want to take into consideration if they moved, picked up their family, what type of money they want to be, what type of money they're going to be making. So another key indicator we look at is average weekly income. And again, you can look at this by city, you can look at this by state, by country. But right now, based on an average weekly income by province, uh you're seeing Alberta with the highest at $960, Ontario at $867, Saskatchewan and at $850, BC at $830, and then you got Newfoundland at $816. Okay. So you're seeing again a strong push specifically in Western Canada and some of the provinces, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, may not have the same type of income. So with low unemployment rate, low growth, and also low income, those those provinces are seeing a little bit of a struggle there and that's some of the numbers that are popping up. Now people are looking at jobs, people are looking at average incomes. Now the proof is really in the pudding and it's really about in migration. And and this is a major, major piece that a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to. And it's seeing where people are moving to. Um, and this is coming from Statistics Canada. Uh, I pulled this report from a uh, from Alberta finance and they, they've done a great job with this report but it really highlights where people are moving from and to. Um, So what you're seeing is you're seeing a little bit of a a net negative migration specifically Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland and the provinces that they're going to, Alberta, Saskatchewan, a little bit in in Nunavut, but even BC you're seeing also a net negative migration as well going to some of the other provinces that are having a little bit stronger economic growth. Now as you see the population grow, these people are needing to live somewhere. So what tends to happen is vacancy rates drop, home prices go up because people are buying, but the reality is when people first tend to move to a specific city and a province, they usually tend to rent for at least a year to two years. So as us as investors, that's exactly what we're looking for. What we don't want to be seeing is a bunch of populations starting to move, creating a higher vacancy rate and also depreciating some of our properties. So just by looking at some of these key elements, what you're really focused is trying to do is narrow down what province that you are going to want to be paying even more attention to. Now this is something that our company does quite regularly, usually about once a month, is we kind of run these numbers, and then we put it into kind of a rating format. So, and I highly encourage you, there's nothing, nothing high-tech about this. It's a simple Excel spreadsheet. You can do, do this on a, on a blank piece of paper. But what we usually do is we take the information, GDP forecast, unemployment rate, construction jobs, and pretty much everything that we we're kind of highlighting in our previous slides. I didn't go through all of them, or else we would be here all night. And then I just rate them. So based on GDP forecast, which province showed me the highest or the best GDP forecast? That was Saskatchewan unemployment rate that was also saskatchewan and then i would rate each province in its specific order and at the very end i would kind of tally them all up and then average them out and whoever's got the lowest score those are the provinces that i'd be paying closer attention to and based on my investment goals so right off the bat the ones that i'm paying close attention to from our company's perspective we're focusing on alberta saskatchewan and manitoba some of the other provinces that i got a higher score It's not to say that they don't have any opportunity, it's just that I see that Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba have more opportunity than some other provinces, Uh, and for me I'm putting my focus in there. But it also kind of tells you where you may or may not want to be putting your focus on, and this is just kind of an opportunity to check some of them off your list. Now, especially when you're dealing with the United States, if you've got 50 states for you to kind of assess and analyze and go through all the details, you really need to narrow it down to kind of a smaller group and put 100% of your focus on areas that are going to provide you with the best return, that show the strongest growth, that are going to generate the most money for you. So this is a small little tool that I like to do every single month, and it is a really simple gauge in regards to where some of the stronger provinces that are going to show me growth, not just for today, but for tomorrow, and where I want to put some areas of focus. So anyway, I highly encourage you to kind of take the time to kind of do something like this to help provide you with some guidance and put some attention to it. So, again, we're going to go back to a lot of these questions that we talked about before. Now, these questions here are also great when you're answering within a specific province. So for me, you know, we do a lot of investing in Alberta. I tend to go through this process, again, roughly about once a month, and I just take a look and to see that the stuff that I'm paying attention to in, in the economic marketplace still makes sense today. So what you want to do is go through each one of these questions and still provide you with the most up-to-date information within those cities and provinces to make sure that they are still quite sound. So for example, you know, I'm looking for construction jobs. For me, this is some numbers that came out uh and helped us make a decision what province that we wanted or what uh what part of the province we wanted to be paying attention to. Uh there's no surprise that, you know, Alberta's got a, a big oil sand um Reserve there, and, and it's being developed quite significantly. And the, the one thing that always shocks me is the amount of money that's actually being thrown out there, um, and the job growth is just significant. So for us, we see this, and we're like, these are major, major numbers that we like. What specific parts do we like in the specific province? And just based on a lot of the construction projects, that really is a key indicator for jobs. So this information came from Alberta Finance about all the major construction projects that are on the go and what's kind of going on right now. I would then take it to the next level and take a look at what type of forecast our jobs going to be not just for today but also for tomorrow. So right now, you know, we're looking at significant employment growth in the next several years. As you can see with the number right now, we're about 135,000 trades employees right now and it's going to continue to grow to roughly about 154,000. So, you know, and it's not just today; it's it is long term. So for me as a real estate investor, I am looking to be maybe holding my properties two, three, four, five years out, and I know that in the areas that I'm choosing, they can be really well sound in in the specific areas. So when I take that into consideration. I'm also looking at specific cities. And again, I encourage you to write this stuff down. Again, this is coming from uh, Morgar Investments brought from the Canadian Economic Outlook. But these are some of the major cities that are showing some of the strongest growth and what are also forecasted for growth in the net up until 2013. And it kind of really reinforces some of the numbers that we had looked at previous and it really narrows down based on the province that I was interested in, but even more importantly, what type of city I'm focusing on. And that I encourage you to do the same thing for any city, any state, any country. You really are trying to narrow it down so you can put a lot more attention to that specific area. So as I look at this, I see a lot of the projects that are possibly happening. Um, I, I just want to narrow it down even further. So for me, say for example, I wanted to choose Edmonton. If I chose Edmonton, I would just do a little bit of research in Edmonton and seeing what's going on in the area. Kind of not much different than we looked at in Fernley, Nevada. You know, what are we seeing for unemployment rate? 5.6%. It is definitely lower than what we're seeing for the national average. We're seeing a population gain of roughly 1.57%. Total listings, there's about 6,726 listings and continuing to drop. So we're seeing uh, listings continuing to go down, which means there's becoming more demand in the marketplace. Um, the foreclosures are really, really low at about 161% or roughly 2%. But the one indicator that I that really caught my eye is the rental vacancy rate at 3.8% So and continuing to go down. So we're seeing the demand starting to kind of push its way out. So when you're looking at this, you spend a little bit of time within that city, do some research, better understand the marketplace, and then from there, what I encourage you to do is get yourself a map. And with this map, this is the city of Edmonton. Lay out a lot of the different projects. I'm not sure if you guys can see my mouse or not, but you start to lay out some of the projects, draw it on this map, and highlight some of the key things that are happening. So here in Edmonton, there's the Anthony Henday Ring Road. So it's this big ring road that's going around the entire city of Edmonton. Uh, the new proposed Edmonton Oilers Ice Arena is roughly around here. And there's some new light. Brand- light rail transit that's going around these vicinities. And what you're doing is you're kind of laying all these major projects out. And where you're seeing a lot of new infrastructure, a lot of new development, it starts to kind of punch out a little bit when you start to look at it from a map. And then you kind of start to say, listen, I want to get myself involved in this area because of all of these major things that are happening within this area. And it's going to help me uh, get increased values in my home. I could probably get a higher demand for my rental properties, not just for today, but also down the road. And if I'm planning on doing fix and flips, these would be great opportunity to start to buy within these vicinities. So, what other area? What area you're focusing on? Take yourself and do yourself a favor. Get yourself a map. Even myself, I've got a huge map absolutely in front of me. It's about uh, three by three by uh, three. In regard, no, sorry, about four by three, four feet by three feet. And I have pins and information written down it constantly. So to get this information and to find out where these projects are, you know, obviously Google is always your best friend. You can do a lot of research that way. Um, But my recommendation is whatever city that you're you're interested in investing in, call the city's economic development officer by calling the city hall, and you'll be surprised how available a lot of them will be for you. And they will tell you all sorts of projects that are on the works, planned, and they can provide you with some great guidance in regards to where some of these things are happening and even more importantly, what are some of the timelines. So take some time to actually introduce yourself if you get a chance to take him out for coffee or or meet with him and, and make him as part of your investment team because he can provide you with some great information to help you with your investment goals. So at the end of the day, Due diligence is an extremely important piece, and, and this is a great slide. Um, I did not create this. This came from uh, the Real Estate Investment Network uh, with Don Campbell, and, and, and this one really kind of reinforces the message very well. Um, and it, it's kind of more of a timeline that he has seen with patterns, and I and I totally agree with him. Is once you start to see a specific city or province that starts to show a strong GDP growth, jobs then start to occur. 12 months later, you'll start to see a population growth start to increase. With the population growth increasing, you're also seeing an increase in rental demand. With rental demand increasing, decreased vacancies, which then incur to increased rents. When increased rents occur, property purchase demand increases, and then guess what? Your price of your homes start to increase. So by starting off with some of the lower numbers and paying some close attention to some of the stuff that's at the very, very bottom, within roughly around 18 months from now it can really pay out some very good dividends but it's extremely important to just look at doing your due diligence first paying some close attention to where you are in the marketplace before you start to invest in your real estate property now just to kind of do a quick overview look at the big picture first and i encourage you don't just get stuck in looking at your backyard or your neighbor's backyard really truly look at it from a national perspective and don 't be afraid to be looking at other provinces and countries you know from there look nationally and then eventually once the numbers start to really present itself and start to jump off the page you'll start to be able to focus on some of the smaller cities and smaller towns study the province or the states that show positive signs of growth if there's areas that are not showing strong signs of growth really take your time to cross them out and put your attention and focus on the areas that are going to show the strongest signs of growth now again, to try to find really good deals in some of these other towns that it may not be doing as well will be a lot more difficult for you versus finding places that are showing some strong growth. Studies, study towns that show positive growth, which equals infrastructure change plus jobs. Those are really opportunities. So look for projects, look for job growth. Those are really opportunities. Uh, lay out the projects on a very large map. It's a great tool. I highly encourage you to do it. And for the cost of a map of a couple bucks, or printed on, on from your computer. You know, visualize where some of those opportunities are. Lay them all out. Write it on that. Write it on that map, and then go out and take a look and see what's available out there for you. Last but not least, there know the know the investment town better than your own home, and I can't encourage you enough. You really should know it literally like the back of your hand where all the projects are. So then you know it inside and out. Because at the end of the day, if you're putting fifty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars into an investment, you better know what you're getting yourself involved with. When you're looking at an investment town. Don't be afraid to talk to others that are actually investing in the area. So focus with if you're if you have a specific town that you're interested in, talk to other people that are investing in that area. You know, you've got a great form with the Canadian Real Estate Investment Club. Uh, There's some great networking groups. It's amazing once you start to talk to other people that have been successful in that area, how much information they can provide you. Last but not least, don't be afraid to take action. Just go out there and do it. Once you've identified the right area, take the steps do a gut check, and take action. That's me, and that's kind of the end of my presentation. So if I can answer any questions, and, and again, I want to thank you guys all for taking the time to listen to this presentation, and hopefully you found it informative. So thanks again.
1: Whoa, that was fast.
2: Yeah, faster than I thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why won't you just leave it the information about the contacting you, so that will be perfect. Sure,
2: absolutely, yeah.
1: Okay, and is there any questions related to Mr. Michael's presentation? Or everybody are speechless? (laughs) Okay, I will give a couple of minutes of question.
2: Don't be afraid.
1: Okay, I see. Okay, somebody raised their hand and then disappeared okay okay, so till there will be some questions popping up would you mind just telling more about uh, you know what kind of project you're doing and uh, did, did you do the proper due diligence on that project I think that's absolutely doing...
2: yeah, yeah absolutely I think you know when we start investing in any real estate project uh we 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 do a, a, an extensive amount of research and, and like i said it's it is extremely important, and it's one of the pieces that a lot of people don't do. Um, when you're doing, when people start to buy real estate, they get to become a little bit emotional on it. And so they go over. It's really kind of their gut and their heart, and they like the look of the granite countertops. They just see the cash flow, uh, but the reality is that may not be – it may be fictitious. And, and I've talked to a lot of investors that have got themselves in a little bit of uh, hot water just because they haven't spent the time to do a lot of the research that they should have done and if they had saw these numbers come up they would have been a lot more successful with their investment so
1: okay please just give me a hand I, uh, I'm just getting up mm-hmm. I'm looking for a person who just raised their hand
2: sure And uh, attached, right now that you're seeing, here's my contact information. You know, don't hesitate to give me a call, send me an email. Uh, definitely go visit our website. Um, you know, we're more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Specifically, to if you've got some challenges with your property, or if you just want to ask for a second opinion in regards to due diligence, I, I'm more than available to help and support you guys. So, Marcelito, Marcelito. oops.
1: Hello, Marcelito.
3: Hi, Derek. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, hi, Michael. Uh, my question is uh, because uh, we're just uh, new uh, investors, so how, how do we find this uh, kind of indicator so we can evaluate uh, the, the potential of uh, the basis?
2: Sure, absolutely. You know, one of the things, and I maybe not highlighted this in the presentation, but uh, I encourage a lot of people to go to um, Statistics Canada, go to CMHC, um, go to the uh, RBC Statistics, and just register for a lot of their economic information because they tend to send the information by email, and they usually come usually about once a month or once every couple of weeks. And so you don't have to be going out there hunting for it uh so just register for them get them on your get them on your distribution list or get get yourself on the, their distribution list and they will provide you with the information so uh with cmhc and and it is a really great website um, they really will highlight what city what province uh that you're in and some of the market there's a lot of market research that's there uh that you can really use to your advantage um, so those are some great places to go um, so again stats canada cmhc RBC Economics, and also TD Economics. Those ones are all uh, are some really great places to go, as well as Genworth, excuse me. And oh, great. Just That's
1: a, a perfect
3: impression,
1: yeah. Additionally, additionally just for your information, Canada REIC is making our small participation in that. If you go to the resources, members downloads, there's a market trends and every month we are doing a small research and uh, trying to combine the, all, all that information so you, you may find that interesting too.
3: So is that in our website?
1: Uh... Yes, on Canada REIC, resources, members downloads, and then market trends.
3: Okay, thank you, Derek.
1: That's, that's not as big as, as Mike was doing, but will help you definitely to, to have an overview of the market.
2: Okay. Absolutely.
1: Okay, just hold a second. So did I answer the question, Marcelito?
3: Yeah, perfect. Thank you very much.
1: You're most welcome. Okay, Mr. Samir. Hello, Samir.
4: Hi, Yarek. Hello. Um, the the guy before asked uh, my question, so that's why I put my hand down. Oh. <laughs> no one was asking any questions, so I figured uh, I might as well ask. You know where I can find this information, but uh, mm-hmm. people can read minds these days.
2: Absolutely, another place you guys might want to take a look at as well is, you know, the areas that you're also paying some attention to is you know, get yourself registered with the local real estate boards as well. And, and really, they do provide some great information in regards to listings, how much property is available. In addition, it will also kind of highlight what, uh, you know, is it a balanced market, is it a buyer's market? It just gives you an idea of where and what part of the market this, the real estate market that you're in. Um, and then at least you know what you're kind of expecting. Is it going to be really competitive in regards to multiple offers, or, or it's going to be, you know, you can actually do some negotiations. So, in, and, and other places, go to, the, go to the real estate boards, and they can really provide some great insight as well.
4: Actually, I do have a question now. Can I ask it?
2: Of course. No. <laughs>
4: <laughs> sure, um,
2: go
1: ahead.
4: I noticed um, you guys buy two properties a month, yep. and uh, I'm just curious... Um, uh, the way you guys purchase it—is it, is it uh, you know, through uh, through putting some money down, or just through creative uh, uh, real estate investing? Mm-hmm. Well, we do kind of a yeah. Go ahead. And if so, like, you know, what's your favorite uh, strategy?
2: Well, uh, we do a lot of our purchases with joint venture money and RSP money. So we have uh, our company is is really focused on joint venture partners. So we we bring partners. we, we first of all find the project that really kind of fits and, and that really makes the most economical sense with uh with strong fundamentals like we're talking today. And um, and then from there we would we have partners pretty much lined up that are wanting to participate in some of our projects and we let them choose which ones they want to participate or not. Uh in addition we have an RSP program so for people that you know are not necessarily happy with the type of returns that they're getting and wanna want to use that uh within our company to so we could use it for our for purchases of real estate uh, we have that as a program as well so those are kinda of the two strategies that we've been using for several years that has that has helped us and also our clients become successful in this game so
4: and, and was it the same like when you started or um, um, you know you changed gears now that you're much bigger um?
2: yeah for sure well when I first got started um, probably not much like not much different than a lot of people is you know I did own my own home uh I had equity in my home and i and I did it as a home equity line of credit and uh bought my first property uh with my line of credit and uh, you know at that time you know it was wasn't doing very well. I probably was making negative. I think it's forty-five dollars a month cash flow when I first got started. So again, I you know when I first started looking at my deal, I was like, well, it's only forty-five bucks. I, I get to own the home. It wasn't that big of an issue. Um, I've owned that property and still own it to this day, which is now generating pretty close to a thousand dollars a month, positive cash flow, and it's been great. So my line of credit that I've been that I had was the the opportunity for me to buy. I think at that time was three or four properties. Um, and then from there I did start doing joint venture partners and, and you know I did talk about this in our last presentation with joint ventures is you know I started with friends and family first and try to get them to participate in some of our projects at the very very beginning and then from that point uh, once I kinda of used a lot of my resources being my friends and family uh, I started kinda of going into bigger bigger uh, venues with other people as well and, and that's kinda of where we're
4: at today um, one last question. Um, sure. You guys started in 2003, and um, you know that's when most of the appreciation took place. Two four, mm-hmm. two five, two six. Um, so in 2007, obviously you're looking at all the indicators and stuff. Um, did you guys uh, slow down? Did you take a break, or how did you? Um, um, you know, like I just want to know the thinking process in 2007, 2008. When property prices were falling, like what did you guys end up doing?
2: Sure, actually, we did slow down in two thousand and eight because and this is the beautiful thing and I didn't really highlight about this um, is you know when you do a lot of these indicators and pay some close attention to the numbers, it tells you when issues are starting to arise. It really does and and we saw some challenges in regards to the real estate prices with supply. And then just some of the challenges with the uh, the economics, really GDP growth. We're seeing a slowdown, so we knew something was kind of in the horizon. So we did absolutely slow down. But it's not that we didn't stop buying. We actually did buy, but we we bought really properties with a big cushion in there, and, and so really stuff that was significantly below market value. And that still is our strategy today. Is you know we've since since that whole recession that that kind of hit 2008, 2009. Um, really, probably around the mid-2009, we started ramping up quite significantly at that time and, and really bought a lot of property because there was a lot of inventory in the marketplace, a lot of people really in desperate situations, and we were able to get some fantastic deals which have paid off extremely well for us even today. Um, so, you know, the reality is it is about the timing, and the numbers really don't lie when you start to look at those indicators. You just pay really, really close attention to it. And and you'll see it. You'll see things start to kind of come up, and you say, something something is in the horizon, and, and it really does show. And that's the beautiful thing I, I really like about real estate is you don't have these major shifts up and down every single month uh, like you would in the stock marketplace because you know from one day to the next you just don't necessarily know. In real estate, it can take 30, 60, 90 days, if not longer, before something significant kind of possibly happens. and that, and, and so for us by watching closely to some of these numbers and, and monitoring this, it really does protect yourself in regards to taking the next steps to, to, uh, to make the decision, either selling it, either stop buying, uh, refinancing it. it. It really does show you at that, with those numbers.
4: Okay. Thank you. I guess I'll, yeah. I'll let everyone else uh, have a chance now. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking.
1: Perfect. Samir, so you are muted. And Merlin, just give me a sec. I have to use the search. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ed. Hello. We can hear you, Merlin. Hello. Mhm. Okay hello okay I'm going to mute it and what are your thoughts advice purchasing vacation properties in the states and the additional due diligence that you recommend that's Merlin
4: oh
2: that's Merlin okay Um, vacation properties from my perspective are are, um, not really investments to me if you're using it for the purposes of a holiday That's the way you kind of need to treat it. As it, you know, I've seen a lot of people buy investment properties thinking that they were going to uh, rent it out for a specific period of time, and then um, go go out on a holiday and and, and treat it that way. Vacation properties tend to have a lot more vacancies than than anything else. And 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 really, if you're looking at it for the sheer purposes of just having it as a holiday, um, and you're planning on holding it long term. Just pick an area that you're obviously going to really, really enjoy. Your due diligence still needs to be there, and I would still recommend that you would do it. And the reason for that is if you're seeing a significant supply of inventory in the marketplace, you may be anticipating that prices are going to continue to go down, and I'm talking specifically down in the States, and I'm not sure if you're looking at Phoenix. Did they mention Arizona or Phoenix? No. Eric? No? no. Okay. Okay. But you know, pay close attention to seeing what type of inventory is there. Um, you're seeing a lot of these great holiday properties down there, specifically um, that are really, really cheap, really good deals from from the eyes. Um, but the problem is, there's a lot of lot of challenges that are still happening down there that you need to be really cognizant of, and you may want to hold out for another six to eight months to even a year before you take advantage of that. But if it is for the purposes of a holiday property and you're planning on holding it for the next 20 years then go for it and buy it but you got to really treat it as what it is and that's a holiday property not so much as an investment.
1: Okay I hope that answers the question. So Marin just type it in. Okay and another lovely lady she's sick today so she cannot read it, uh, okay. Kasia what are the countries that you are investing
2: in right now, besides Canada and US? Uh, right now, my focus is, is in Canada and the US. And, and right now, I'm not even doing much in the US right now. Uh, we are looking at a couple projects down in the states that we are really, really, we're very, very finicky down there. Uh, but those are the two two countries that we put a lot of attention to right now. Um, I'm kind of a big believer that if the fundamentals make sense in a specific area or one or two spots, you don't need to have properties literally all over the world uh, because the amount of due diligence that you need to be doing for each country, each province, and each state, it can be quite significant. If the numbers make sense within a specific area. And it's showing some good, strong fundamentals. Then you know, put your money where where you believe is the best opportunity. Uh, There are some other countries that are showing some some strong, significant growth. Obviously, China's done exceptionally well as well. Uh, But for us, we are we are pretty we're pretty we're comfortable with where we're at right now in states in the U.S. in Canada and the states right now.
1: Okay, I hope that answered the question. So please just confirm it and. Mr Serafin I'm going to unmute you because he doesn't really know if he has a mic or not. Okay. Hello. Serafin. Looks like not. Okay. No mic. Perfect. I got the message. Okay. Hmm. What does Michael predict in the horizon for 2012?
2: Uh, in Canada, I guess is the question. Back. Yes. Um, okay, in Canada. Um, I think the economy for Canada is looking very positive. The the challenge and and a lot of the uncertainty that we're seeing right now and and I'm sure a lot of people have heard about this is obviously in Europe, specifically in Greece and some of the challenges that they're facing here. Uh, You know, Canada as a whole has done, uh, is is actually quite strong, but the problem is with all of our, um, you know, with our trading partners being in Europe and even down in the States, they are not doing so well. So 2012, my opinion, is really dependent on what's going to happen over in Europe, and and it could be negative. I don't think it's going to be a significant impact to Canada, but I think there would be if, if things do go south down in Europe. Uh, but the reality is, I think we're going to be in in a period that we're not going to see a significant growth based on a national number. But I think specific provinces will do a little bit better than others and, and personally I still believe Alberta and Saskatchewan are going to do still quite well uh, just because of the resort because of the resources um, so the reality is I think 2012 is going to be not much different than what we're seeing in 2011 um, initially my forecast is that we were going to see a lot of growth in this last quarter of, of, of 2011 uh, but I think that's all changed now with everything that's going on so uh, my gut feel is that we're probably not going to be seeing a lot of growth until from a national perspective until 2013, and and, and even that, it's going to be slow.
1: Okay, and Marcelito.
3: Hi, I just have a follow-up question regarding when you started with your real estate investment. What exit strategy did you use?
2: What strategy did I use? I, I used uh, buy and hold. So, uh, and that still is my strategy today for, for most of my properties. So, you know, our our game plan in a lot of our, our transactions is, um, you know, as long as we're buying in strong fundamental areas, you know, we're looking at kind of treating our properties like like piggy banks in a lot of ways. Uh, we buy properties that are are below market value. Period. And and we buy properties that are kind of in distress. So. Uh, tax issues, divorce, foreclosures, bankruptcies—all that kind of stuff like that—and um, we're really looking to try to get really good deals. A lot of our properties are not listed on MLS or CLX whatsoever, um, so these are kind of private deals that we've worked very closely with our our realtors on to uh, to try to source out these properties. And then by doing so, um, you know, we we just look for them as uh, as little pig banks. We we hope that we can improve the building. Um, appreciate the value of the property and then from there uh, either refinance it or pull the line of credit to reinvest the property and reinvest the 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 equity into new projects or secondly we take that money and and pay out our joint venture partners whole and they're in they're into the deal for for zero cash so that's kind of our game plan
3: okay thank you Yeah, no problem
1: okay Marcelito Okay, hopefully uh, I didn't ask anybody if that fulfilled your expectations and I think that uh, all the answers were very, very up to the point. So looks like there's no further questions, so we will give you uh, guys 15 and 30 seconds time frame. Oh, sorry, not even. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Samir. One more
4: question. Um... You're saying that uh, you buy them um, under market value. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I ask, um, like, what is what is your range uh, to buy under market value? Like, um, you know, what makes you comfortable?
2: Yeah, I kind of like to see the number between 18 to 20% as kind of our benchmark, and that's kind of our target range. Okay. So, you know, now that's not to say I do go... I don't go a little bit lower if the opportunity is there. So, like, for example, if we had an apartment building which was under-rented, so, um, you know, if I, if I was able to raise the rents on the property, that would appreciate the value of it, um, and I'm only making immediate equity of, let's say, around 15%. Uh, I would definitely take that on if the building makes makes sense and there 's not a lot of work that needs to be done with it and it's uh and it really you know some small little lipstick and rouge in regards to improving the building and then being able to raise some of the rents, which would appreciate it faster so um you know if I need to do a little bit of work to get to get to the number that we 're looking at as long as the building makes sense but we we try to aim for somewhere in that area area between eighteen to twenty percent range uh but you know anything kind of less than that. We'll take a small look at it. If if it if it's a good property, good building, then 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 we'll take a we'll take another look at it. But, and again, this is kind of really important. Is once once you start to build your investment strategy, you know, it, it's building part of your investment team. And 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 the one thing I I I have a lot of appreciation for is uh, my realtors that I use. They know exactly what I'm looking for. So when they usually present me with the deal, they they it tends to more often than not uh, provide me with the criteria that that our company is looking for and uh, so then we would react to it re- relatively soon and, and then even when other realtors are talking to my agents, uh, they'll tell them point blank and say, you know, to make it work for for myself and our company, it has to meet these specific criteria. If they don't, you know, I'm probably not even going to forward it over to Mike or, or Prosperity, so. Uh,
4: one more question, actually. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> You initially started uh, with um, just residential, and then mm-hmm. obviously at some point you moved into multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I still
2: I still buy residential as well, just so you know.
4: Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, my my question is, um, I I'm definitely curious about multifamily and commercial, um, but it's it's a complete different ballgame, and, and I'm just curious how you went about it. Um, did you get some education, or um, you know, did you work with a team? How did you go about that?
2: It's kind of a blend of both, actually. Um, for me, it was you know, I did a little bit of reading, a little bit of research, um, and I did get some training as well, um, just some courses that, in regards, to that were really focused on the commercial real estate side of things. And uh, you know, it just kind of really opened my eyes to some of the things that you know, there it is, it's a completely different ball game when you're dealing with commercial versus residential. And you know the more reading uh, the more people you talk to, the better it is going to be for you and, and I think the best best strategy and the best thing that really helped me the most was just getting a mentor or getting an individual that's actually done it once before and was able to kind of hold my hand through the process on our on our deal and and i 'm a big believer that when you are just getting started in real estate to take a small step first and not to to go all in into some Big monstrous deal because the cost of learning from those mistakes can be significant. And, and if you're just getting yourself started, get your feet wet with just a relatively smaller property, um, and then this way you can learn from your experiences, and uh, and then from there take the next level to to multifamily or some other bigger projects. Um, but if you haven 't really bought a residential property or a smaller property to get started with i 'd probably discourage you to go into something bigger than like a like bigger than a fourplex or sixplex or something of that nature uh, start small make sure you have your team in place first um, and then once that 's been established uh, you know talk to people you know don 't even hesitate to send me a quick email and i 'll be more than happy to, to answer any questions that you have about uh, uh, multifamily and, and and taking on some steps and things like that so I hope that answers your question.
4: Yeah, it does. And uh, like I bought a few um, residential, it's just when you go into multifamily, the rules just change, and it's uh, going from be able, being able to see to being blind, you know, almost. It is, uh, it
2: is. And, and it, it can be that's... pretty, yeah, it can be scary too, and, and, I, and, I, and I get it, and I sympathize with that. Um, but I think once... Once you've done your first transaction in multifamily, it's just as comfortable as if you went to do residential and, and kind of go take yourself back to your very first deal that you ever did. Um, and, and I know for me, I was absolutely shaking when I signed that mortgage document, absolutely scared to death um, and hoping that I knew what I was doing, but in, in a lot of ways I didn't. Um, but I have to really say when I bought my very first multifamily property, I kind of felt a little bit of the same way. But I have to say that Thanks to the experience that I learned from my uh, residential stuff and, and building and establishing my team, it really helped me uh, through the first project, and, and it worked out really well. So, and, and the same thing would probably apply even for your multifamily. Is you know, don't go for the 40plex or the 30plex right off the bat. You know, maybe start off with something a little bit smaller just to get yourself a little bit grounded because it is a completely different game. Um, and then by there, you learn from your experiences and your knowledge. But uh, in in the multifamily side try to connect with other people, talk to other people, you know, definitely get yourself involved in the forum, um, and, uh, you know, don't hesitate to even shoot me off a quickie, quick quick note, and uh, I'll be more than happy to answer any questions for you, so.
4: So in terms of the transition, um, like um, commercial is above five, and then below five is, is uh, residential or something like that, um, are you referring to maybe doing like a fourplex um, or a a triplex before going into, uh, you know, an eight-unit um, uh, commercial building. Is that what you mean? No, but not that's necessarily. Like Forty is out of reach. Yeah, I would.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's out of reach for a lot of people. But it, you know, start with maybe like a five or six plex, because like, really in the four plex side of things. You're still kind of dealing with the residential side of the the terms and conditions in regards to inspections and, and all that kind of stuff, right? But once you get over that threshold of four, um, that's when you start to play the commercial game, which is a completely different animal where you're calculating cap rates, environmental. The financing is completely different as well, um, but maybe starting off with something a little bit smaller. But again... The numbers still have to make sense. The due diligence still needs to make sense. Uh, but, you know, just to kind of get yourself started, you know, start off with a maybe smaller building. And, and when, really when I say small, six to eight, somewhere in that area, that would probably be a, a relatively decent one to start it off with.
4: Okay. Thank you once again.
2: You're very welcome.
1: Okay. Let's just let me, let me mute it. Okay. Any further questions, guys? So we have 15 seconds, right? Or have (laughs) 30 seconds. So, um, Michael, to to wrap it up. Oh, okay, sorry. Another question? I I have promised that we will answer all the questions,
2: so. Yeah, take your time, no problem. Like I said, I'm here for you guys, so. Aldrich.
3: Hello guys, this is Aldrich. Uh, hello, Michael. Um, Hi, hey, uh, Aldrich. How are you? I'm really well, thank you very much. Uh, okay. That was that was actually a really good what you said because uh, that was one of my questions. Uh, you mentioned that you would be open to kind of go over a deal, um, let's say looking at like multi-unit buildings. I feel that I have plenty of uh, plenty of those residential ones and I'm kind of feeling that I would like to move kind of on to something bigger. Do you provide any kind of, like, uh, mentorship? Like, are you open to that? Or Yeah,
2: can... I am. Where, where are you based? Calgary. You're in Calgary, yeah. One of the things, we, we do a training program. Um, I'm actually starting it next Tuesday, but it's not commercial. It's focused on um, kind of more the basics 101 on real estate investing. So it is really highly focused on the residential side. Um, and I am going to be launching a commercial training program in February. Um, and one of the things we're probably going to do, and this will be the first time we've done it, is kind of having an online training training program. Um, and the way I like to kind of lay this, and I do call it a mentorship tr- training program because there's a lot of involvement and it actually forces your hand in regards to learning um, where it does require you to do a lot of homework, but at the same time that's where the true education comes in. Um, so I'm probably going to launch that in February early next year. Um, and like I said, we're just kind of putting the pieces together now of how it's all going to lay itself out. So if anybody or if you're interested, uh, maybe my recommendation is just shoot me off a, a quick email or a note through Canada REEC. I'll put your name on the list. So when the time comes we'll definitely send you the notification for that time and when that's going to take place. And and again that's probably Right now, we're estimating it to be kind of a six-week program. Um, right now, it may be a little bit longer, but like I think by the time you're, by the time you finish the course and the program, there's nothing more that you will need to learn in regards to getting organized and and, and doing um, commercial real estate. Period.
3: Okay, that's great. Well, thank you very much. You're and very welcome. One more question to ask you. Um, carefully, I'm carefully uh, watching what's happening in Europe. And you kind of touch on that already uh, for for many various reasons. Um, can you just, uh, would you be open to just kind of explain how you see, you said that you don't see it's going to affect uh, the economy or basically, if it's going to affect the economy, obviously it's going to affect everything. You said that the situation uh-huh, for sure. in Europe, you don't think it will actually uh, get to us here in Canada. Can you just, are you open to kind of like just uh, share a few words on that, like, Why do
2: you see that? Uh, I actually—that's not what I meant, and if that's what I said, I apologize. But really, what I said is, uh, my my feeling is, I don't think we're going to see the same impact as we would be in Europe or the States. Like, I just don't see us turning into the kind of the same economic turmoil that that we're going to be seeing down south or even in Europe. Um, And and there's a few reasons behind that. You know, our economy is actually quite strong. I still think it will impact us, and I think it will kind of get us back. In, In a worst case scenario. I think it would kind of put us back into a position back into 2008, early 2009, so kind of going to possibly, uh, maybe not as impactful, but possibly uh, a mini a minier recession than, than what we would have seen if the same circumstances occur again. Uh, but I think our biggest strength and what we're seeing right now is you know, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of exporting into different marketplaces, specifically for some of the stronger economies like in uh, China and in India, and it's because of a lot of the uh, resources that we we have with uh, uranium, potash, and also with oil and natural gas. So I think those things are going to help kind of stabilize it, but I don't think that's going, if the worst of Europe actually does occur, I believe we will be impacted. Um, it's really tough to gauge how much of an impact, but my, my initial feeling is if worse came to worse, I think we'd probably put ourselves back into the same time frame of probably late 2008 to 2009. So we'd probably see a little bit of unemployment rise a little higher than what we're at today. So will get us back to kind of maybe, instead of roughly around the 9.1 to 9.2 percentage range, probably about the 8% range or somewhere like that. So kind of taking us back a couple of years. But I don't think we're going to see ourselves anywhere close to situations that we're seeing down in down south or, or some different countries in the U.S. I, I just, you know, our economy and, and our banking system is just so much stronger than, than, than a lot of these other countries. And I think the one thing that, you know, we should all take pride in is uh, we've, you know, the government's actually done a pretty good job to try to diversify themselves uh, to other countries and stronger economies like, like China uh, to try to offset a lot of the challenges that are facing down south as well. So that's my feel.
3: Got it. Okay, thank you very
2: much. You're very welcome.
1: Aldrich, you are muted. So, guys, uh, I guess we're going to finalize our webinar, 100% free, educational, with a lot of information to to think of. And uh, for your information, that webinar is recorded, being recorded, and hopefully, with your mic permission, we can post it on Canada REIC, right?
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Perfect. That's no problem. So we'll be in the resources uh, educational videos section, and it will be available more likely within twenty four forty eight hours. Uh, we got into the system. We put put a lot of videos there. So come and join it. And do you have any final s-
2: suggestions, thoughts, Mike? Not really. Like I said, I think at the end of the day, you know. Um, take the time it is a really important topic and i think the biggest challenge that i see with people is um, you know they don't tend to do it and i encourage you just for the exercise for people that are just getting started in this game take some time to do some due diligence and 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 this is a great way to learn um, specific marketplaces you guys all can do it it's it's a really it just takes a little bit of time Um, just kind of maybe a little bit of a plug as well for myself you know um, please join us on our on our facebook page uh, our Twitter page, um, and also follow us on our website. Uh, right now, we're holding a little contest on our on our Facebook page. So, uh, you get a free trip to Whistler and and uh, and uh, a dinner for some people in Calgary. I'm not paying for the flights, but uh, I'd love to have you guys like us on our on our on our Facebook page. Anyway, and uh, anyway, if I could be of any assistance whatsoever, please don't hesitate to to shoot a note out to us, and and we'll be more than happy to answer any questions even after the seminar. Okay, so thanks, guys.
0: Straight Smart Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the new innovative concept of real estate investing. No more expensive courses. No more high-priced mentors taking your money and leaving you without ongoing support. Become a full-time seasoned real estate investor by participating with our already successful team members. Now is the time to stop talking about real estate investing and start doing. Take action. Just ask and we will help you. We promise one thing no BS. For more info, www.straightsmartrei.com.